0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See bball B ball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs
2: player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Michael Kist, Benjamin Solak. It's the Kist and Solak show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. This is the Kisten Solak Show, episode forty, brought to you by the Five you are Folks. Flying
1: at-, at a below average height.
2: That's correct.
1: A four and five height.
2: Brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Your host, Michael Kist, as always, as always, Benjamin Solak with me. Ben, I mean, we'll get right to it. No need for the jaunty opening as per usual. The Dallas Cowboys have defeated the Philadelphia Eagles at home. It feels like a loss that is going to be very tough to recover from. This needed to be, as we talked about a lot, a statement game at home, taking care of business, and then rolling into a game with the dangerous New Orleans Saints with some momentum. Uh, However, the Eagles do not get it done. Can't finish on either side of the ball. And here we are, man. Four and five. How you feeling, brother?
1: I mean, every day is a good day to be alive. It's a very disappointing game, just top to bottom. You know, we'd like to figure out who to blame. And the reality is that you could pick a name out of a hat, probably, and yeah. as long as it wasn't Zach Ertz's. I think you'd be right. So obviously, like you know, we'll go through, and there are a lot of coaching decisions that offensively and defensively that were rough. You know, uh, it's been a big all oh, coming out of the bye. Yeah, they came out of the bye with more injuries than they went into it with. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they were healthier for the Jaguars game than they were for this game. Uh, so you know, out of the bye is obviously a big buzz phrase, but this team was beat up, was banged up have lost three straight at home. Defense can't stop anybody in the fourth quarter. Offense can't score any points when the game is within reach. In the fourth quarter, Eagles still uh, have only scored more than 24 points once this year. It was against the Giants. Uh, and the Eagles have not lost a game by multiple possessions. They just, for three quarters, things stay close. And then in the fourth quarter, they can't buy a win. It's tough to say that that's all on the players and that Carson Wentz is in clutch, which is something we've talked about. Carson, again, had opportunity for potential game winning slash game tying drive in this game and was not able to succeed. You can talk about it in coaching. You know, this is a team that clearly is experiencing uh, massive execution issues from top to bottom. Uh, it seems to be some serious issues with, with how the offense is being deployed, given the fact that you just traded for Golden Tate and the offense kind of didn't look... Uh, any different or any more dynamic, uh, you know, you can. Have, there's defensive coaching problems in the sense that, yeah, I mean, you've got your third and sixth string corners as your outside corners and you're playing pure man coverage late in the fourth, you know, there's just a lot uh, that sucked. Uh, and when there's a lot that sucked, your team loses. This is analysis from the Kiss and Solak show.
2: Yeah, and of course we're gonna do the all twenty-two film review and really dig into the the nitty-gritty of it. But for right now, this is just uh, uh, pure emotion, just just dripping out of us. So you look to the beginning of the game for some opportunities where you know the Eagles could have done better to start quicker, and those didn't materialize. You get the the three and out to start the game from the offense. And then the next drive for the Cowboys, you have a drop interception from Camus Hill, which could have been a pick six. Obviously, you know, he's dealing with the broken thumb or whatever it is and wasn't able to haul that in. And right after that, a third down conversion happens because Darby can't wrap up. And the the Cowboys go to punt on fourth and two when they end up converting on that. And, you know, that's where the, kind of the, the scoring started, if I'm not mistaken. They, I think they got a field goal out of that possession, but... Right away, I mean, we we thought, or at least I thought it was going to be a slow start, and it was, but it just feels like even when the Eagles started to ramp up offensively, that's when the defense started to fail, and, and you say, you know, going into half, you're down 13-3, it's not that bad, and you can come back, and, and you can do whatever, but, you know, you, you tie it up at 20-20, and then the defense just, I mean, what was it, 13-13, and the defense gives up a drive, and then it's twenty yeah. twenty, and the defense gives up another big drive, and they were easy drives and against a bad offense, and against a bad Dallas Cowboys team. We lost to a bad team at home in a must-win game, something that had to be a statement for us, and just the execution just wasn't there. We we talk about play calling a lot, and we criticize play calling for both the offense and the defense, I think more so for the defense. But for the offense, you get into third and two situations late in the game, and we were talking before the show that, You throw a screen behind the line. Where's the aggressiveness? Like, I I understand the aggressiveness coming on fourth down and going for it and whatnot. And and that's all great. We got stuffed early on one. Josh Adams got stuffed on fourth and one. Where's the aggressiveness on, on third down to just say, okay, you know, it's third and two. Even if we don't hit this downfield shot, we're still going for something. Like, that's what it felt like last year. And the feeling is totally different this year. You, last year, you felt like, okay, this team on, on third and two, they're gonna they're gonna convert for like fifteen yards. Uh, you know, obviously, there's no data behind that from from what I'm saying, but that was the feeling. And that's what seemed to me happened a lot mm-hmm. this year. Super conservative when they get in those situations. A lot of horizontal stretches and whatnot. Like this this team has deep weapons. Nelson Aguilar had some downfield targets that that looked nice. Al- Alshon Aguilar is a, is a deep threat. You can work Zach, Zach Ertz in the in the interme- intermediate areas, but like third and two, you're throwing a screen pass. When I'd much rather get Zach Ertz singled up on somebody or working inside of his own, and it doesn't feel like this offense has the same juice, the same mentality that you know they had last year. And we were talking with Brandon Lee Galton during the game. And he asked, you know, how much do you put this on, you know, Filippo and Frank Reich leaving? Because Frank Reich's doing a fantastic job there in Indianapolis, especially with the, uh, with the offensive side of the ball with, with what they have there. We have a lot more weapons than, than what he has in Indianapolis. And we're not executing as well. And we're not looking as as dangerous right now. And you, you start to wonder, were Mike Rowe and Press Taylor the right hires? And it's hard to quantify that, especially in season with so much happening and to really dig into it. You can look at offensive metrics and things of that nature and go, oh, well, obviously, yes. But there are so many other, you know, extenuating circumstances around that that it's hard to really say. So Ben, I'll pitch it to you and say, you know, what what are your thoughts on on the team and their lack of aggressiveness on third down and just the, the feel of the team? And about the, the in-house hires. I, I I went a lot of different directions there. As you can tell, I'm distraught from this uh crushing loss.
1: There yeah, there are a couple things to address. So the micro and 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 press taylor versus D Philip bone right thing. Here's what's a the, the important thing for me to say first, which I feel like I always end up saying, like, you know, let's pause and take a second here. And so my let's pause and take a second here is it's very easy to look from year to year and say okay well what has changed between 2018 2017 2018 all right this is a big thing that's changed this must be where the difference is coming from right right this is why and, and you and i made jokes about this we have multiple people who keep on telling us man they shouldn't have let go of the garrett blunt well blunt is being very ineffective in detroit right now blunt was like you know a, a, a stopgap part of a committee you know what i mean but because it's a difference and the running game is worse well, then Blunt must be a big part of it. I mean, it's not the fact that there's also no Ajayi and there's no Sproles and, right. and, and you've got a new starter at left guard and you've had banging up offensive tackles and it can't be any of that. It's Blunt is different. Uh, and so, yeah, the offense is much worse than it was last year. And two of the main offensive minds are gone. And so that's probably part of it. But I think it's very important that we contextualize what is different. And the main difference to me that I can see – is that you had incredible situational play for Philadelphia on third down mm-hmm. and fourth down, money downs, and in the red zone last year. And it was known, it is known, Game of Thrones comes back January 2019, <laughs> it is known Filippo played a huge role in designing red zone plays. It was known that Frank Reich played a huge role in third and fourth down. This was something that like we were told by the coaches, like they were a big part of this. You know, like uh, just watching that film on their opposing defenses, picking up on tendencies in those situations. Does Doug Peterson have the same degree of trust? Slash, do Mike Groh and Preston have the same degree of skill and film analysis to pull that off? Mike, Eagles were 4 and 10 on third downs and 0 for 2 on fourth downs in this game. The so 4 for 12 total, 33%. That's awful. And it's not what we've come to expect from the Eagles. So that's where you see the, the reflections. When it's just the overall play calling, I don't really think the overall play calling is that much different or that much worse. You know, on a full game situation, there were a lot of complaints tonight about game script. I'm here to tell you, that game script was what Philadelphia has been pulling out as their game script for every single game that I can remember Doug Peterson as coach. Yeah. Didn't work well this week. Uh, maybe he should switch it up if he's going to do it like very similarly every time. Obviously, I think Dallas was pretty ready for it, but... You know, uh, the third and five on the second drive, uh, Alshon Jeffrey incompletion. They run that route on third and medium all the time. Right. And it works most of the time. And it didn't this time. You can't call it a bad play call now when it was usually successful and you don't mind it. You know what I mean? So I think it's important that we categorize where we have umbrage. Umbridge. Uh, and where where okay we say this is different it must be causing all the problems probably not all of them it's just causing some the other big issue when it comes to the in building hires and this is something that i've talked about like i don't think on the podcast before but i've talked about like with you guys with other people the biggest danger of in the building hires and we even talk about uh in family hires right
2: nepotism and yeah
1: bobby petrino just got fired from louisville head coach louisville football guess what his son also got released because his son was helping coordinate his freaking offense right Uh, We talk about nepotism and and in-family hires, so on and so forth. When you hire people from a a tree, whether it's a coaching tree or or, or just the Philadelphia Eagles organization or from your family, that you understand and you know, well, they have the same gaps in knowledge that you do. So, So Grow hired somebody who learned from Reich. You know, uh, or not? Uh, Peterson hired Gro, who learned from Reich. Peterson hired Press Taylor, who learned from John DeFilippo, right? And that's all well and good. And a lot of these, you know, NFL head coaches are guys who, you know, Peterson was brought in because he knew Andy Reid. And, and, and then he was brought with Andy to Kansas City and brought up by Andy. Like, they worked for Peterson, right? So it's not surprising he's doing it here. But when you bring up these in-building guys, they have the same weaknesses. They're from the same schools of thought. And so when you start getting beat by certain ideas... You don't necessarily have the the colorful backgrounds, the variety of exposures of of different systems and under different coaches and learn different tips and tricks along the way. You can't just kind of pull from a a melting pot of ideas. You don't have your hand in as many cookie jars. And all of a sudden, your offense becomes very reliant on the same idea. I think my big culprit here would be screens. Every time the Philadelphia Eagles cross the opponent's 40-yard line, they throw a screen. And I don't, there must have been some film thing at some point where they were like, wow, this is the greatest thing in the world. Screens inside of the 40, the most successful play of all time. It doesn't work. It has, I can't remember a screen that's been super successful, but they did uh, a little throwback screen to Corey Clement, which was, uh, which was where he, he dropped it slash fumbled it slash whatever happened there, um. They did a 3rd-and-2 screen late in the game uh, when they had gotten inside of the 40-yard line, which was the Leighton Van Der Esch play that Chris Collinsworth was losing his mind over. Uh, that ended up becoming 4th-and-7, and then you have the Zach Ertz catch in that whole review, which was a confusing process. Um, they love to run those screens. It's clear that they think that's a great depth for screens. They haven't been working, but because nobody in the building was not suckled on this idea of the we're inside the 40, let's run a screen nobody resists it nobody's like hey what if we stopped doing this right because they're all kind of of the same ideology so that's where the in building hire really concerns me uh and that's something that i think philadelphia has got to look into in the off season we're not like i'm not saying let's fire grow like that's not i don't think we should but what i think needs to happen is you need to make sure in your building you're constantly cycling in new ideas from different systems that have been successful and so that's something that on the offensive side of the ball, I don't have much to complain about in terms of what Peterson does over the scope of the game. Uh, it, it obviously, like in you know, the Eagles lost, so it's easy to criticize him. I just did on that third and two screen call. I hated it. Um, but the, 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 the breadth of Peterson's work as, as a Super Bowl winning head coach is impossible to argue with. He's a good coach in the National Football League. He's a good play call. He's a great offensive mind. Didn't have, uh, you know, didn't have a very successful game today. Offense has been struggling. Uh, he's got injuries in the offensive line. He's got injuries in the backfield. He's got uh, to figure out his personnel groupings. we got to talk about 12 personnel. There's obviously stuff to figure out, but Peterson is fine. The play calling is fine. The offensive minds grow and, and Taylor. Yeah, there's some concern, but we don't want to put too many eggs in one basket in terms of who deserves blame.
2: Yeah, and, and we talked about screens being something that they could be successful with coming into this game based on what we saw from the Cowboys on film, but situationally, I did not like that deployment that they used. And, you know, you mentioned 12 personnel. They ran a lot of 11 personnel tonight. And it wasn't because Golden Tate was there. They were using Jordan Matthews a lot. And even with that, I can't, they not were... I,
1: I can't even tell you how unbelievable it was to me. And Jordan Matthews was playing well. Like, I'm fine if Matthews plays well. But Tate played about – like, Tate played about 20% of the snaps. But I think Goddard played maybe 15. Right. I don't – I don't – you're, you are the best 12 personnel team in the league. Offen- defenses are not built to stop 12 personnel. They're built to stop 11 personnel. You have a entire section of your playbook that other teams aren't good at stopping. Use it.
2: And here's the thing, too. Uh, when you talk about the lack of 12 personnel, what the Eagles were doing a lot, and they did this on 44% of the snaps in the in the first half, I charted it, was they were giving help to Holly Vati. Vata. There were 5 snaps, uh, 7 snaps total, 5 in the first half where the tight end for the Eagles uh, and I think it was pretty much all Zach Ertz in this case either blocked DeMarcus Lawrence because of a play action or whatever the case was, they were shifting or sliding um or gave a chip and help and was late to his release because they wanted to block up Lawrence and Big V, they knew it was going to be a struggle. They helped Big V so much You know what? Do it via alignment. Put Goddard on that side. Put him in line. Change the path in which DeMarcus Lawrence can rush the passer and get your guy out into a route. That's what I understand about it. Like, okay, you want to go 11 personnel, but then you want to take one of your best guys at working the middle of the field and make him a blocker. And you're wondering why you're struggling on third down when he's been your best third down target the entirety of the season. That didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So there's that part of it as well, and that's something that we can look at when we, when we look at the film. And you know, when Tate was in there, it was pretty much as we expected. I counted, and I probably missed a few, but seven sn- snaps in the slot. I saw three where he was outside, but it was from a reduced split. There was the one jet, uh, and then the one at running back, which is it, it, we. They talked before the game saying that we are going to get real creative with golden Tate in the building. And what we did was we came out and trips through what looked like a bubble screen to a wider receiver through a lateral to golden Tate, who was lined up at running back. And it went for like four or five yards. I don't even remember. It was, it was, it was super bland. So I, I and I understand it's going to take time for Tate to get involved in this system, but I don't understand getting away from the, what you had success with. If you're going to use Matthews and not Tate. And again, like you said, Matthews is playing just fine. That's not my problem. It's, what works for this offense right now, and what also helps you give aid to Big V without taking away one of your best pass catching options in Zach Ertz, and that's using those twelve personnel sets. So, uh, flip it, flipping it over. This is depressing. Det Prescott, twenty three for, excuse me, twenty six for thirty six, two hundred seventy yards and a touchdown. Ezekiel Elliott, nineteen carries, one hundred and fifty one yards for a seven point nine average. They had one driver. They just like ran four times and marched right down the field. The defense. Was not able to stop it. Uh, obviously, they, they sacked Dak a bunch. I mean that all that looked great. Everything that I was expecting coming into that was pretty much how it was. They threw a bunch of stunts early in the game and they let off it later in the game. But they threw some blisses at him early that that confused him, And you know we got burned a couple times on third down. But overall, overall the pressure was looking great in the first half. Uh, second half, not so much. Michael Bennett made some great plays. I want to shout him out because he played absolutely fantastic. But other than that, I mean, I don't know what you expect from Russell Douglas to do on Amari Cooper, and uh, he got he got roasted a couple of times. You know, you're playing Trey Sullivan in the secondary. We can roast Schwartz uh, shorts for playing a vanilla defense, but my God, who are you starting out there, and uh, what are they capable of without worrying about them just confusing everything entirely? At the same time, though, and I said and I tweeted this out, and I and I really do believe this. We point fingers. At the offense or the defense, depending on what we feel, neither of these units has been able to finish a game, period. And, you know, you get one every now and then. You get the Atlanta Falcons game or the Colts game where the defense finished the game for us. Uh, you get the game against the Jaguars where the offense was able to finish the game for us. But overall, as a unit, Neither of them are getting it done in crunch time. And uh, I think that's what been, been one of the main, main failures for the defense, giving up a two-score lead against the Tennessee Titans, giving up a 17-point lead to the Carolina Panthers. And then once the offense gets going in, in the Dallas Cowboys game here, uh, they are not able to get a stop to allow the Eagles to recover and get a lead, uh, giving up 27 points to a bad a bad offense. Let's just call it what it is. And you feel like, like this, this was supposed to be the game. This is it, man. Like that, that I my my hope for a bounce back season died on that field tonight.
1: Oh yeah, no, this was this was a, this was a must winner. I mean, obviously, mathematically, Philadelphia isn't eliminated, but they're two games back from a Washington Redskins team has a much easier schedule than they do. Yeah. Uh, so you're at a point where, yeah, I I absolutely I think that the Eagles team will honestly at least split with the Redskins. I don't think the Redskins are a good team. It's just simply the Eagles lost enough games they should have won. This year that they put themselves in a situation where it's highly unlikely to imagine they'll uh, uh, be able to make a significant playoff push. You know, they might dwindle and and, and hang around kind of at the on the bubble spots on the graphics we start seeing in week 13. But it's unrealistic to expect uh, that they'll be able to make a significant playoff push. That's highly disappointing. And it's not what you expected coming into the season.
2: We got the Saints next week, dude. They just hung 50 plus on the Bengals on the road after the Bengals were on a bye.
1: Okay, admittedly, Cincinnati's defense has been playing awful football for like the three weeks up to that game. But no, totally it, Philadelphia, Philadelphia would be multi-score underdogs to the Saints in New Orleans if memory serves, uh, and rightfully so because they're not very good. They're not playing very good football. They're not a very good team right now. Um, overall, like if we if we do we like if we step back and we take actually no, let's talk defense before we step back. Okay. The, the Eagles' active secondary tonight included Ronald Darby, who eventually went down. So let's scratch Ronald Darby. The Eagles' healthy secondary for the fourth quarter. Rasul Douglas, Chandon Sullivan, Cravon LeBlanc, and Avante Maddox at corner. And at safety, Corey Graham, Malcolm Jenkins. Oh, Corey Graham. Trey Sullivan. Yo, that, Trey that, Sullivan. that
2: touchdown. That touchdown. Where they did like the, the the motion, and then they then they leaked out, and Corey I, Graham was just like standing there. I was like, dude, oh my god, just just be injured, no, be injured, because you're not I have doing anything. For
1: an us. article about those running back release plays against man coverage dropping, and I'm I like the Eagles have been burned by them literally all year, uh, because they ask uh, their linebackers people to, to cover those out into space, which is a bad formula.
2: This is still a defense that has not given up this? over 30 points in a game and you still feel like it's awful. <laughs> like, just because the way they're losing.
1: Right, so I, I actually just sent out a tweet that said, you can find a bunch of stats, stats to suggest the Eagles defense is at fault. You can find a bunch of stats to suggest the Eagles offense is at fault. The reason is because the entire team is at fault. Yep. Because they're a bad team. Yeah. Uh, but my my official take on the offense versus defense dichotomy, if I have to have one, which, I mean, I, I kind so they pay me to do a stupid. podcast, so I guess I do. Uh <laughs> Is this offense needs to play really well week in and week out to cover for the defense, right. right? And we talk about the fact that, like you know, Carson Wentz. I I love I love this stat. It's very interesting to me because you can take it seven different ways. Carson Wentz has never won a game where the opposing scheme, team scored more than twenty four points, mm. right? Which leads to a couple things. Leads to one, you talk about Carson Wentz, all right, in late games, like, you know, when kind of it's a it's a, it's a, close one, he seems to really struggle. So he kind of needs the defense to, to kind of give him a little bit of a cushion there. You could argue that. You could argue, oh, so this team only really ever wins when the defense is a lead. So really it's the offense that's holding this team back. <laughs> on the other point, you could say, okay, well, what this clearly indicates is that when you're blowing the top off this defense, you can just run the score up on them and the Eagles offense has no chance. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot that goes into that, but past three years, Eagles have never won a game when the opposing teams are more than 24 points. They don't win the high-scoring games. And so, this offense needs to be able to play at an incredibly elite level to beat a team that has a good offense, right? This is kind of like what what uh, we were talking about, or at least an offense that's playing well. I wouldn't call the Cowboys' offense good, but they put up their highest yardage total and one of their highest point totals of the year against the Eagles at home. You know, it's tough to talk about. But if we're focusing on, on that secondary, what? do you do what how do you like i so like i'm i'm there I, it's like 13 13 it's 20 20 i'm saying like you zone blitz i mean you can't leave these corners in man which they ended up doing and it sucked right. uh you, you can't leave these corners in man but also when you zone blitz like it's very difficult to ask chandon sullivan to play a, a responsibility in a zone blitz because he's gonna have distinct reads and he has not practiced those because he is a bad Bottom of the roster practice squad player, <laughs> right? He's Channing Sullivan.
2: That's what I mean. Like, like, what can you do creatively if you're
1: 95% doing of people listening to this podcast do not know where Channing Sullivan went to school? He's an undrafted rookie free agent. Don't know where he went to school.
2: Wait, right? so that Only was Chandon? Reason, was, that Chan, was that Chandon, not Trey? Was it Trey Sullivan?
1: Trey, 37, was playing deep safety at times, which I found hysterical, by the way. Right. Because this is the most I can remember Trey Sullivan playing, and it was the week that Corey Graham came back from injury. Oh, my God. But anyway, um, me. Chandon Sullivan, number 39... Was out, out, out at the, was playing corner once Darby went down because there was no Jalen Mills and there was no Sidney Jones. Crap. Eagles were playing without their top three corners yeah. in the fourth quarter. That's like, that's important to remember. Like, we, who, like, 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 if we were not coming off a Super Bowl championship, would we expect a team? Not play, without their top three corners, without their top safeties, so without top, their four of their top five secondary players to be able to stop anybody. Right. No, but we want them to because we won a Super Bowl last year.
2: And 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 what's crazy is and and we talked about this before a couple of weeks ago, and I said Ben, I'm on the edge. Talk me down because I feel like these injuries are piling up and they're insurmountable, and we're not rolling through them and winning like we were last year. And it's just it's too much. It's too much. And I think tonight, as you're as you're talking about this in the secondary, I'm thinking, oh my God, Shannon Sullivan got meaningful reps. Corey Graham got meaningful reps. Trey Sullivan got meaningful reps. Russell Douglas and is and and and, and
1: and 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 this is this is this is going to be my second point. Next to Fletcher Cox tonight was either playing Helody Nada, <laughs> who like when right? Which you're already laughing. Hel- oh no, you were sneezing. Never mind. No, I'm you were laughing. No, I'm laughing. Go ahead. Okay, Helody who. Even when Haloti was good, he was not a pass rusher. Right. And he's still good. He's just older now. He only plays limited snaps. Or it was Travion Hester. 95% of listeners don't know where he went to school. He's a second-year player. Or it was T.Y. McGill. Mike, I didn't even know what McGill's first name was during this game. I went to tweet about him, and I realized I was like, I don't know what his name is. It's T. Right? It's he's just,
2: just T. It's, it's <laughs> I don't know.
1: T.Y. McGill. And he, because he was a... Practice squad, bounce onto the roster, sort of a guy. And the Cowboys violated T.Y. McGill. They ran inside zone, away from McGill. So McGill is the backside 3 tech, which means the left tackle, Tyron Smith, gets to take him and just bulldoze him into a different dimension. And that's what leaves those massive holes where your primary fill player, because you're playing cover one with Corey Graham 20 yards deep, by the way. Uh, your primary field player, if that's an empty side or it's a nub side, is going to be a corner like Rasul Douglas, or Channel Sullivan. Both from them are good tacklers. The Eagles don't have good tacklers at corner. Even if it's Ronald Darby's not a good tackler. Right. So, you know, where's the pass rush? The pass rush is vanishing. Well, number one, I'm, I I would be shocked if Dak Prescott does not again have, as all Eagle opponents do, a very quick time to throw. But number two, you can't run twists and games and stunts when Haloti Nada, Travion Hester, Tra- Travion... Trayvon. Trayvon Hester or Trayvon Hester or D- <laughs> uh, or TY McGill are your other defensive tackles, right? Yeah. You need to put one of Brandon Graham or Michael Bennett in there to maintain integrity in your rush lanes. And once you do that, you can run on that because you have 260 yarders, right.
0: 260,
1: 260 pounders trying to hold up against actual big interior offensive linemen, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Mike, the Eagles played a uh the Eagles outgained the Cowboys on a yards per play basis and had zero penalties. And lost.
2: A lot of the things going on with the team earlier in the season, shooting ourselves in the foot with stupid penalties. You can't even play a clean right. game like that and uh and not come away with the W. And penalties were a big reason the why this like, offense was stalling out. F-
1: I will die on this hill and I don't care if I'm completely alone. The Eagles are a objectively, like on paper, with everything we understand and can quantify about the sport of football, a better team than a four and five team that has lost to the Dallas Cowboys and the Tennessee Titans and the Carolina Panthers and whatever you know what I mean? Like they yeah. are just they are simply a better team than that. And this is another thing that I ca- I can't emphasize enough when we talk about judging results. You can coach a game well and still lose because at the end of the day, like good coaching dis- decisions don't win games. They increase your probability of winning games. Yeah, at the end of the day, there are still bounces they're still you know just like yeah there's execu- execution and also like there's still just luck you know what I mean there's still yeah. just like factors that have to go into it right is is, is a fourth and down what fourth and one run behind Zach Ertz and Nelson Aguilar a high percentage success of uh ch- high percent chance of success no probably not that's where you want a coaching decision that increases your probability of success um but like it's not like if you coach well you win it's just if you coach well you're more likely to win and so it's it's you know, like uh, if the Eagles played all of these games 100 times, if they played the Cowboys 100 times at home, would they lose 50 of the games? Probably not. They'd probably lose less than 50. They were favored by like 9 and 10. You know, this is a game that they were expected to win. They lost. And that's what happens. You only play one game and you've got to be able to execute in the moment. Philadelphia was unable to. Overall, and this is kind of that overarching look that I want to talk about. From a multi-year perspective... Is this team still in good
2: shape? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. You yeah, you you, you get Howie Roseman, who's, who's fantastic at roster construction and dealing with cap and long-term understanding of it and knowing how compensatory picks work and picking up veterans who contribute like Michael Bennett with, with picks that are have very low hit rates. And Michael Bennett is giving you 10 times more than a fifth-round pick most likely ever would. Excellent coaching overall with Doug Peterson, I feel like. I mean, on it. He won a Super Bowl. You have a franchise quarterback in Carson Wentz who you can deal with long-term. This team, long-term, is fine. And I've always believed that. And if this year is a place where we don't make the playoffs after winning a Super Bowl because we have 50 million injuries and we're playing with Shandon and Trey Sullivan and Corey Graham, that's fine. Get it fixed. Get it fixed in the offseason. Come into next season. Have a new season. Then we can have a discussion if it continues to not be what we expect it to be. But at the same time, I mean, how many injuries do we have to freaking talk about? And I hate and I hate people that that make the injury excuse all the time. We've been dealing with a ton, man. Just a ton. Right. There's Here's no what's stability important
1: to note. Right. It's this and and yes, that is exactly correct. There's a difference between eight injuries and eight injuries at two positions, right?
2: Philadelphia And also injuries at one point, like coming into the season, if we were coming into the season with those injuries, that's one thing. Getting an injury, bink, 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 all through the season, totally different.
1: I was thinking about it, and I was just sketching it out on a pad. I have not looked at like rosters and active game day and who got injured in the middle of a game or whatever. I'm pretty sure. The Eagles have not played a game this season where they have had less than four starters out for at least, like, a decent chunk of the game.
2: Right. Yeah. Right?
1: Which, like, in and of itself, sounds like it sucks. But then you look at the fact that up until this game, they were dealing with injuries to their second and third safety and their first and second running back for the majority of the season. Which, okay, like, if you don't like... Corey Graham, I agree with you, but th- there you go. Uh, and now coming into this game, all right, you get your third safety back. You're going to lose your second, and your third corner, and then you lose your first corner in the middle of the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they and, and you still have and the a running starting, and a starting they,
2: defenses defensive end is out too, and yeah.
1: Right. They sorry. They have they have never like come into the game where it's like, well, the secondary is back to full strength. So we'll see if this improves the defense's ability. You know what I mean? It's always been like, all right, this secondary is super beat up okay, they've got a few stops early in the game. Oh, no, the game's hitting up. The game's getting close. they failed here all the time, and let's check. Yeah, nobody different is out there. You know what I mean? It's the same, like, you know, like the same players who have struggled in these situations have struggled. And then it's Philadelphia, uh, you know, with, with the running game, be like, all right, Carson Wentz is throwing the ball 40-some times again in this matchup. You know what I mean? Oh, like third and oh, no, two, they crap. could really use just, like, a quick banger to pick up four yards. And no, you know what I mean? They don't have anybody who can run the football like that. So... You're super depleted at running back and makes your offense one dimensional. You're super depleted in the secondary and nullifies the ability for pass rush. It's hard to respect and enjoy the strengths of this Eagles team because the weaknesses limit them in such a way that the team's still ineffective generally.
2: Yeah, and I think the message is, you know, you can blame injuries and and you can blame coaching and and whatever, and it all all shares some of the blame. We're always going to look for somewhere to point the finger to. Like we've said multiple times, you can point it at several places and – even with all the injuries, this was a game that they should have won. And it's a disappointment regardless. Even if we're talking about all these injuries, I don't care. This was a game. This is a team that they were better than. This is a game at home, a must-win game, and they did not come out and perform at the level in which you would expect. So, again, spread it out. Spread the blame everywhere. Point fingers at everyone if that makes you feel better. And I think that's what we're going to do because we're going to kick it over to three words – the at BGN underscore radio Twitter account, as always ask for three words to describe the game from you, gentle mm-hmm. listener. And Ben, I'm hoping you have that pulled up. Do you see anything? you like I have
1: there? it open, but we have 300 responses or something. So you also need to pull it up and scroll through some of these while I scroll through some of these. Um, and then we can both pull out some good ones.
2: Sounds good. I like this.
1: Okay. I would like to begin. I, uh, with this one, uh, Deccan Geschteint at Incog Brian, which if you're going to be incognito Brian, don't put your first name. I don't know what his other replies were, but this one starts with 12th reply, too late to hit the pod, F's given, zero. Uh, and then his three words are, should leave that out, the bed, right? And so he replied 12 times, Incog Brian is feeling very passionate about this loss. He would like for us to know his thoughts. That's the only thought of his we're going to get to, though, because I can't find the other 11 responses.
0: <laughs>
2: My son, Simeon Kist, at Kist underscore Simeon, says, that was fun. Uh, and I'm assuming he's talking about the season as well. Brian Coulter, at Phila B. Coulter says, Super Bowl champions. And that's something that we do have to remember.
1: Shactus at Shack says... Shactus says... uh, Wait, well, this is four words, so I'm going to let it slide because I respect it. Uh, He says, terrible Wi-Fi purchase. And then in parentheses, he has plane, which clearly means he was flying and he wanted to watch the game. Oh. And so he had to buy the internet to be able to access the game. And I respect the dedication, Shaq Fu. I hope you had a good flight. Uh, But yeah, I feel bad that you had to pay for that.
2: Here's a couple I like. Uh, Manu Urias at Manu underscore 99U says, fed dogs nap. And uh, I, I really like <laughs> that. <laughs> you- <laughs> okay,
1: Jason Rivera which he's we've I've said him out before, he's still at camel toe in spandex. The only reason I remember him is because that's still his ad. This one's heat. Are you ready?
2: Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah.
1: Mike Lombardi, correct.
2: About what? <gasps> about about Doug Peterson? Probably. The that's the most
1: well known Lombardi take. Mike wow. here it comes. Are you ready? Are you ready? 2016. Dak Prescott, Rookie of the Year. Then he falls off the cliff. 2017, Doug Peterson has a Super Bowl winning year, and he's going to have the same fall. That's camel toe and spandex take. (laughs) Mike Lombardi was right the whole time.
2: The whole time. We never saw it coming. Wow, that's awful. That's an awful take. What are people doing? Okay. Uh, JT at Jason uh, Jason Allen Tucker. Might as well put your middle name in there so we can get your whole Christian name in there. Hiring. Defensive coordinator, stop it. Stop it. We're not firing Jim Schwartz right now. I mean, come on. Like with all the issues that we haven't given up more than 30 points. Yes, I get that they're right. collapsing in, in some some weird situations. But God, man, like it's right. every week with yeah. this. Stu-
1: One, nobody could coordinate this defense. There's nobody healthy on it. <laughs> Two, definitely not in season. You fire right. Jim Schwartz. That's oh, no not, way. That's not. You want to bring in a new a defensive idea. coordinator to right.
2: coordinate this mess? Yeah, good yeah. luck. With that,
1: three, you have to know that there you have a better defense coordinator than Schwartz who will come in, which I think is a ve- like there are better defense coordinators than Schwartz, obviously. For sure, I think that's a very tall bet, but you're gonna find that person I mean, it's right very
2: now. tough. I think Schwartz is gone Man. after this year anyway, regardless. But that's a whole different thing.
1: Shout out if Schwartz just go gets himself a head coaching job somewhere to just solve the problem for me. <laughs> um all right shout out to uh the, the two that I like Uzair salim at Uzair salim 23 says tank season which i just found amazing because that's no. literally two words man we give you three words just <laughs> use all three uh and then uh at deus is wild deus is wild whose Deuses? username is my whole le- no it's d-e-u-s-e is wild oh deus.
2: okay yeah deus
1: yeah. deus but his username is my whole life is thunder, which I feel like. Wow, like I'd love to hear about your life sometime, man. We should <laughs> chat. Um, this is a really good point, though. Sproll's roster spot. Sproles has not been healthy since week one, but he has not been IR'd, so Philadelphia is, is keeping that roster spot, which could be going to a player who could actually be active. Danelle Pumphrey comes to mind. But in more seriousness, actually good play. Devontae Bowsby could have really been used tonight. He's on the practice squad. Cravon LeBlanc was played instead of him, which obviously I think that you're trying to, like, retain eligibility for practice squads or whatever. But still, you know, I thought uh, Bowsby had a good preseason. I thought he had a good camp. I thought he deserved to potentially be on a roster. So, yeah, that... um,
2: We're getting the players that, that you would need, like, a college roster to, like, that their, their maximum to fill out.
1: Listen... I still, I, in my opinion, I, th- I still think that Bosby is a guy that you, no, I'm just hired. Uh, Bosby is a guy that you <laughs> want. Uh, I just, the Sproles roster spot irks me because literally it's been a burned spot for ten we- yeah. nine weeks now.
2: Same with Chance Warmack. Okay, let's see what well, what else we have here. Shout out to BLG, maybe May forever ring. What did he say? Oh, BLG is always just griping with us about the Chance Warmack roster spot. Oh, okay, it's I got like, you. It's his thing, it's his baby. Yeah, exactly. So uh, here's three words from Doug Peterson the new normal. He said this is the new normal in the press conference after the game. How does that how does that Okay, resonate in what with context? You? I have no idea. I just I'm seeing it thrown around all over the place now and no one is giving me any kind of context to understand what he's saying by that. What does he mean by this right. is the new normal? Re- it sounds awful just by itself.
1: I'm so confused. Why what is losing? I thought winning was.
2: I thought winning was supposed to be the new normal. Isn't that what they usually say?
1: Yeah, I thought the whole new normal it was like, after we won the Super Bowl, he was like, this is the new normal. And now he's like, hey, four and five and underperforming is also the new normal. Everything is normal. This is all what we expected. Oh, wait, Carson also has a three-word quote. I love the fact that they're really trying to support the podcast, Mike. We need to thank them for this. (laughs) Carson, uh, per Zach Rosenblatt of NJ.com, this one hurt. Yeah. I, for one, definitely did hate losing to the Cowboys more than any other team in the country.
2: And in this situation, Ben, man, I'm done. (laughs) Like, I could say fly Eagles fly right now and just stop. And uh, Eagles lose 27 to 20 to the Dallas Cowboys. They moved to four and five. Their playoff chances reduced to, uh, I believe it was 18% approximately is what Football Outsiders was saying coming into this week. It could have been at 43% if they came out with a W. They didn't get any help from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they're awful. They had five red zone trips and six points out of them or three points out of those five red zone trips. I don't know. They were bad. That was bad football that we saw from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Either way, it doesn't matter because this team can't win a freaking game against a good or apparently bad team. So here we are. Thinking about the draft, right? Like I'm just, uh, right. God, well, beat.
1: speaking about, yeah, yeah the. D- By the
2: way, it's a good thing that me and you have a background. Yeah, but in so the draft. <laughs>
1: speaking about the draft, it may interest you to know, dear listener, uh, <laughs> gentle listener, who may not uh, know Mike and I that well. Uh, so I work at the Draft Network, which is a site that literally just covers the draft for the whole year. Uh, so. You should follow us on Twitter at Network LLC and go to our website, thedraftnetwork.com, because we be like, like I'm getting a bunch of questions, like, all right, so who are the good running backs? Who are the good safeties? Uh, They're all there, so you can just go look at them there. And then, Mike, where are you doing your draft stuff this year? I don't even. Are you inside the pylon?
2: Uh, I don't know if I'll be doing the inside the pylon draft uh, draft guide this year. I don't know because I got I got this now, so that takes up a lot of my time. So I might just do it for. uh, bleeding green nation and uh produce a bunch of draft content for bleeding green nation since that's uh i mean that's that's the gig no it's true but either way we uh
1: yeah we we uh we kind of this is what we do and this is this uh well we also do this but we do this um and we do that too (laughs) whenever you are ready for draft talk we have the resources for you you don't have to start doing it now obviously uh, but some of us have
2: we're just talking. These some are just words. No one's doing anything. These are just in words. In the
1: draft world since week one, some of us have been have been thinking about the Eagles' needs since forever ago. And by some of us, I mean the two of us. So you should listen to the podcast. Uh, this is the Kiss and like show. Ben Solek.
2: For some reason, give us five star ratings. We all we got. <laughs> we all we need. This sucks. Fly Eagles, fly.
1: Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I am the director of Fun and Games for Broad Street Hockey Radio Podcasts. And I am Kelly,
0: the deputy managing editor of BroadStreetHockey.com.
1: I'm Steph Driver, the NHL editorial manager for SB Nation.
0: And I am Charlie O'Connor, lead Flyers writer for TheAthletic.com.
1: And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-Flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite sports. We all love hockey,
2: specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers.
0: The hockey team of Flyers.